Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So there's a lot going on in the business world globally at the moment. There's a big sort of downturn in the last 12 months of stock market and a lot of the blame is being put on companies that aren't profitable. So whether they're VC funded or whether they're startups with huge valuations and it almost seems there's a day of reckoning happening about profitability. But even ones who are profitable aren't immune either. Apple and Netflix are profitable. There's a kind of a lot of uh, you know, uh, lost uh, percentage uh, gains in the last 12 months. Um, but it, you know, it, it kind of gets us thinking about what type of company you should build. Should you have uh, heavy VC funding, or should you weather the storm? Or and um, I guess the th census is that good quality uh, companies will prove out in the future. And the companies that we hear of, the startups, the great startups being built around the world, are the companies of the future. Um, so it was really interesting to get a startup again on the show this week. Uh, built out of Dubai in Silicon Oasis and in the fintech space. We've had a lot of fintech companies on the show uh, over the years. Uh, you'll be able to go back and check out Spoonie and a few others. Um, and this one's uh, the same, but I think what's interesting about them is that they've, they've resisted lots of funding and focused really on product market fit in the last five years. And it's just a really interesting conversation uh, and uh, enjoy. And I'll speak at the afterwards. And when did you start the company? We started off in 2017. Uh, we registered the company. We started off built a product uh, from then, yes. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about what the company is? Right, so what we do is we provide a smart payment platform to local businesses in, in Dubai and UAE, of course. Uh, so what our platform actually does is we allow users to discover business partners, local business partners that have tied up with us, Snap. And these partners provide cash back as a, as a service to the users to make payments through our platform. So if a user makes a payment through Snap to a merchant that's tied up with us, they get a cash back in return to make the payment to the partner. And that cash back, the beauty of this product is that the cash back that they receive from a merchant is retained to spend back at the same merchant again. So you can't use that cash back to spend it anywhere else, but you go back to the same merchant again and spend the cash back. Okay, so technically, so you, you built an app, is it? And or how, how does it actually mm -hmm. work? Do, do you recruit merchants as well? Yes, so we're a B2B to C platform. So we do recruit merchants. We go sign up local businesses uh, who are established here. And at the same time, we get users onto the app to try to use the platform. So we have an iOS and Android application that's available for the users. And uh, they just come on board, sign up, and start using the app, making payments to the merchants that are available. So currently, we have about 350-plus-odd merchants on our app. So we have a pretty wide variety of sources in Dubai to spend with. Okay, and are the purchases made via the app for goods for delivery or are they in-store purchases? 
we try to promote in-store purchases, in-store payments uh, for products and services that are taken in-store mostly. So uh, we don't try to do any delivery or online payments. Uh, the reason why is because we we uh, this this system was actually bought, born out of the pandemic, right? So during the pandemic, we realized that a lot of local businesses were taking hit. Uh, they'd invested in real estate. They invested in space, right, in, in in human resources to run their business, which took a big hit in that time. And that's when this idea cropped up. So uh, we we focus more on getting the users into the store, making a payment, and then we try to bring the users back with a cashback mechanism back to the same merchant to make another payment, right? So it, it's customer retention by increasing payments in store. So that's the model that we work in. Okay. So... The user, is it the transaction that they use the app like people do with Apple Pay where they tap to pay or how does it work? Right. So we provide an interface where users actually put in the bill amount. Uh, so if you, for example, go to a local business, let's say a restaurant, you have your meal or food there. Uh, let's say your bill is 100. You put in the amount 100 there inside our app, right? And that is linked to your credit card. So we ask you for a credit card, or if you have a smartphone, uh, an Apple phone, you, it's linked to your Apple Pay. So you, we make the payment really easy. All you have to do is enter the bill amount, and then you just follow the journey from there on. And you select the payments, which, okay, you, you select the merchant whose store you're actually in, you drop down, you pick the merchant, and then they get money. Yes, that's right. Okay. How have you seen uptake of this? Because it's kind of a different behavior than people are used to from a, from yeah. a user point of view. It, it is. It is a different behavior. So uh, to be frank, in 2017, we started off with a different platform. Uh, it, it was a cashback platform, but it was more to do with a bill upload uh, uh, mechanism where we were dealing with the FMCG sector, right? But the pandemic disrupted everything, uh, changed the course of business throughout the world, uh, we took a big hit in that moment. And, and from then on, we decided that local businesses were getting affected and let's start targeting them. So once we started building a platform for the local businesses through payments, uh, what we realized was the businesses were okay with it to a level, but the users found it a bit difficult to understand that. So we spent 2021, the entire year, trying to educate the user, uh, educate the businesses, what we are doing, how we are doing, and why is it that we're doing it this way. Uh, so it, it took almost a year for us to to get both the merchants and the consumers to understand how it works, and quite quite happy that in the last two months we've seen great uh, 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 transactions happening through the platform itself. So that's that's a happy moment for us there. Excellent, that's good. Yeah, I think you know with any platform there has to be people on both sides and an education and a shift in behavior, I guess. But when you say the users get used to it. Why would they use Zap? Right. Zap. So, <laughs> Can't <pronounce laughs> Why would they use it? What's the benefit? So I'll, I'll tell you that. So usually what the region or usually what the economy is used to is discounts um, or you're used to some kind of loyalty coins. Um, now, when it comes to discounts, the businesses are not... So if, if a consumer comes to your store Gets a makes a purchase, gets a discount. There is no way of retaining them or expecting them back to your business again. Uh, now, why they would use Zap is because 
we could almost give up to 50% cash back. The merchants are willing to give up to 50% cash back to the users. Now, 50% is a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a relatively good value that you give back to the user. So when the user spends at your store, you give them 50% back. Tell them, hey, I uh, hope to see you soon again. And we're pretty sure we've seen it over the last few months that a user comes back within the first three weeks again to make a spend because he has that reward that makes him come back. So that 50%, 40% is a good value that the user sees for them to make a transaction. Yeah. So, so it's just the language used around it I find a little bit confusing because cashback is related to credit cards. And as as you said, this is just for the merchant, but then the language usually used around that is loyalty and rewards. Uh, so cashback technically means cash, right? Where you're actually giving a discount. So if an item is 100 dirhams, the company is giving this loyal customer it for 50 dirhams, provided they buy something else in the store. Yeah, so if, if the consumer spends 100 dirhams at the store, they make a full payment of 100 dirhams at the store, right? Uh, in our system, what happens is we take the 100 dirhams, then the merchant says, I'm willing to give back 50% back to the user. So after the transaction is completed, we give the cash back into the user's account for the same store. We just leave it there for the, for the user to be able to use it on their next transaction. So it, it, cash back, you can call it as a future discount. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much a future discount. I'm giving you money back for you to come back again, and then I'll give you the discount. So yeah, the terminology is a bit different, yeah. Okay, cool. And so the type of merchants, are they cafes? Are they restaurants? Are they retail stores? Um, we cater to all businesses that actually have an establishment, actually have a store or a walk-in where users go in to make a purchase. Uh, we have, well, we have users, I mean, the merchants all the way from cafes, restaurants, uh, pet stores, salons, beauty salons for men's, women. Um, uh, I think we also have a, a bit on the auto industry, so a, a fashion, uh, optics. So we cater to most of them, uh, but the spendings are usually on a daily basis that go with food and beverage. That category is where we as consumers spend quite frequently, almost every other day. So that, that category takes up most of the uh, uh, bigger chunk in the uh, merchant section. Which is groceries and things or cafes? No, uh, no uh, cafes and restaurants. Groceries, not yeah. yet. We're not there yet. Um, uh, we haven't been able to uh, uh, get them on board yet. But I think that's the next step that we're looking at uh, in, the, in the future. Okay. And so do you have in-store promotion? Are these merchants um, having a Snap logo at the point of sale? Um, and is there an explainer there? Because that's a kind of a cool way to get people on board, right? Right. So uh, we have it in a few merchants uh, who have been able to keep us there, but uh, lately we haven't been able to do so. Uh, we've been trying to test different mechanisms to see what exactly works, how to get the user to the store, how to get the user to spend, how to get the user to know us, remember us, even without you know all these props that push you to come inside or push you to remember so we've been trying to do that so we've we've actually put it in, in a few stores you will be able to see us in a few stores you wouldn't be able to see us and we're just trying to test to see what exactly works and how it works and then we're planning to roll out in full flow as to how we can promote in store as some stores have 
uh, 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 you know, sometimes you go to a store, you see a sticker on the wall. Sometimes you see it on the table. So we're just trying to get an experience as to what exactly works for us, and then we'll be rolling out and post scale as to uh, it with regards to marketing. Okay, brilliant. Um, and so you you said you're in Dubai Silicon Oasis. Um, what sort of license do you have? Did you have to for, for fintech? You know, are you kind of storing? Uh, credit card information, and do you have to have the right sort of uh, cybersecurity set up? And what sort of licenses? Like, you're technically not a bank, but you're involved in in payments, right? So, in uh, when it comes to payments, when it comes to fintech, right? Uh, it, it's a vast subject. Fintech would would be payments, could be banking. Uh, where we fall under is payments, and when it comes to payments, we have partnered with Stripe as our payment gateway. Uh, so we we do not store the information. We do not have control on the credit card or any information that the user actually does for the payment. Uh, it's all processed by Stripe itself, uh, which I think recently just launched in the region too. So we use them as the payment partners. And uh, in, in terms of security, I, I believe they take care of most of the security when it comes to the payment side. But we take care of the security when it comes to the user and the merchant side uh, in terms of sign up and uh, you know user information, merchant information, etc. Okay. Um, I'm curious really to delve a little bit more into fintech and industry and uh, competitors and the landscape. But before we get there, uh, is there anything else in the build-up in the last five years? So uh, who's your co-founder? How did you meet? How did you come up with the name? Let's start there. Uh, uh, currently, I, I don't have an official co-founder. Uh, uh, we, we don't have co- I'm, I'm the sole founder of the, of, of the company, of the idea. Nice. Um, so we, uh, I mean, I keep referring to we because we have a core team that I, I strongly believe uh, things wouldn't work without them, right? So uh, I keep referring to we and not I for that reason. So uh, the name Zap came through because we wanted instant gratification uh, for anything that the user does. Usually instant gratification means you someone makes a payment or someone makes an action and then you get something back immediately, which you can utilize immediately. So that, that was the key motto for us to start this with because usually the, the loyalty system, how it works is you spend a hundred, I'll give you hundred points, which is equal to, let's say an X amount, a smaller amount of AED value. So that takes a while for you to build and then redeem. What we wanted to work on is a model that where users could spend and receive and, you know, immediately use it again if they wish to. So that's that's how Snap came into the picture. The the idea of Snap in my head was Snap just, you know, uh, quite quick. So that's, yeah. that's where it all started. So Snappy and you yeah. zap it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so how did you go about it? Like, were you, a, were you into IT? Were you a coder yourself before? What's your sort of career to this point? Um, I, I am more of a, business administration background. I have a business administration and marketing background. That's what I've, I've studied and uh, done. Uh, we, in our family, we have a couple of businesses that we, we we run and I was managing a business in India at that moment, uh, which was in distress. And then we picked it up, put it back on track. And, and from then on, in the process, I realized that, that data... Uh, is is the key because in any business without data you're just running a blind eye right so it 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 then clicked me that data is something that's going to be big in the future uh 
so we ventured out into the in, into Snap as an idea for getting data from consumers based on their purchases that they make in the supermarket. So that was the initial idea that kicked in with, with the concept of uh, cashback and data. But COVID took it off, uh, unfortunately, and then we shifted that into payments uh, with the local businesses, where we, again, get a lot of data that we can actually utilize uh, to help the businesses grow. Uh, so that's that's where the, uh, the idea started from. Okay, and did you then move to Dubai to set this up in 2017? And did you have funding? How did you go about that? Right. So, uh, yes, I, I moved to Dubai. At that moment, I was looking at, to be frank, Singapore and Dubai at two destinations to start this. Uh, at that moment, back in 2015, when I was actually trying to make the decision, uh, Dubai was there, but it was in a growing stage, is, is what I could understand. The, the reason why I selected Dubai, the reason why I moved to Dubai was it was quite seamless. It was quite easy for me to just move in, uh, uh, start the company. Uh, I could remotely start the company and then move to Dubai and then set up the business. It was very easy for me to set up. And as I got here, I realized that it's it's really booming. The industry kicked off. People started realizing what tech is. People started investing a lot of time and money uh, into tech at that moment. And I think when I look back and when I look today, we've reached a milestone that other countries would take a decade to reach. Uh, within five years, we've done that here in this country. So uh, I think that's the reason why I selected this place. Uh, Okay, that's interesting. You can move faster as a startup, um, but so but did you raise funding or how did you go about that? Right. So yeah, the funding we we actually funded it through friends and family network at the moment. Uh, we are looking to get funding now uh, by this year end. Uh, we'll be rolling out funding maybe by July August this year. So uh, until until now or until then, we'll be funded by family and friends network, and we'll continue to be funded by them. Till we raise funds, okay. so we're pretty secure with that. That way. And do you have a remote working team, or is all your team with you here in Dubai? Uh, currently, we have fifty percent of our team here in Dubai, and the other fifty percent is remotely working. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, with COVID, we learned that we could live with remote working, uh, and we just continued doing so. So, uh, most of the important. Uh, uh, personnel or, or HR or human resources are all based out of Dubai and the back-end management or IT team is based out of India. Okay. And so how, how do you kind of put together from a business marketing background, how do you put together an IT team? What are some of the learnings that you had? You know, did you know anything about coding and did you have to kind of test and learn of what skill sets are needed and how to go about building this product? Um, the most important thing when you build an IT platform is the fact that you have to understand the the process, uh, how things flow, uh, how it works, why something would and wouldn't work. Uh, so if, if you look at the structure of IT, it's, it's, it's coders, developers, and then you have a manager who manages the entire thing by telling them how this architecture should work, what should fit in and where it should fit in. I think so I, I quickly could grasp the manager's role very easily uh, because in my head, things need to go in a flow. And if you can understand step-by-step step how that works, I think you'll be able to pretty much understand how the IT sector works. But yeah, the coding part, uh, I tried learning it myself, but unfortunately with the start of the business, it was uh, 
consume too much time to start learning the coding and to manage the business and to manage business development. So uh, we have someone now who's who's having a 20-year background on IT managing the whole show. Uh, and on, on the business front, we have someone who has a 15-year-old uh, uh, experience to manage the business front. So now I think we're in a good position to to deal with it. But the first few years, yes, it, it, it was quite of a challenge for me to yeah. get through. Yeah. It sounds like what you described as yourself, you became the product lead and the product uh, manager. And then, so your website is more of a landing page and then you've got iOS and Androids. So you kind of need core developers for that. And then yes. your tech stack, you partner with a kind of a SaaS platform Stripe. Uh, is What else is in your tech stack? What other things do you need uh, for this? Um, I think you've pretty much described it all, but for the merchants, we actually work on on uh, uh, Python as a language because uh, Python, as we go, we want to use AI and machine learning to be able to automate a lot of stuff, give a lot of information to the merchants, when your users have come, how many times have come, uh, uh, what's the frequency, what is the number of spends that increase over a period of time. So we want to generate all these reports for the merchants in the future automatically. Now that would work with a platform like Python is what we uh, decided. So that's the that's the core for us. Uh, that's the uh, uh, the element that actually makes us you know makes the entire system work. So yeah, that's the biggest part. So you kind of have a, a Python based code a language based CMS for merchants where they can see all the data powered by right. a cloud software like Google or AWS. Uh, we 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 ventured out with AWS. Uh, that's the best, most stable system we could venture out with. So. That. fascinating interesting um cool so uh, i got an idea of the company now it's nicely set up so what's your sort of view let's take a broad view of fintech like you, you've been in your head's been in the game for five years what how would you describe fintech and uh how do you think it's evolved over the last few years well it's it's a very broad industry Richard. Uh, anything you do with payments banking transfers, uh, peer-to-peer transfers, all come into the category of fintech. Now, each product has its own specialty. Like uh, you have open banking that's cropped up now, uh, uh, recently over the last couple of months or a year or two. Uh, Now you have crypto, which is integrating itself with fintech and coming up in this region. Now, Dubai has been a fantastic place for that. Uh, You you can see the government support with crypto and fintech. Uh, You can also see Visa tying up with cryptos. So I think as we go further, you will see a lot of a lot of integrations in this space. Uh, you'll see X, Y, Z blending with ABC to create something which is unimaginable. Is what I I feel uh, is going to happen in the future. Can you explain that a bit more? Uh, let's say, for example, our our scenario. Right, we're doing cash back uh, with payments now. There is an itch for us to enter into the crypto space with payments and cashback, right? So now why we would do that is because there's money moving around the system. There's crypto, which could be integrated into the system because your cashback is basically, it's owned by the user. They could invest it if they wish to. So we could always combine ourselves or integrate ourselves with a crypto company or a platform. And let the users invest cashback if we have to. Now, all that depends on the license and the ecosystem that allows us to do these things. Uh, I'm sure as we go, it would be able to, but uh, currently we're not able to imagine beyond that level. But 
I, I really think I'm very excited to see how this space is going to grow because I see in, in, in my experience, in my field, I see a lot of, a lot of blending and mergers happening in this space. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I can think, you know, you mentioned it was broad and then there's a lot of sort of crypto elements of fintech as well. Um, but I guess, you know, you're really trying to, like, as we said at the top, sort of help retention mechanism and help businesses and customers. So it's really in the kind of merchant transactional space. Um, so that's one element of, of fintech. And there's been a huge development in the last sort of two years as, as the buy now, pay later uh, technology and fintech. And, you know, would you consider that in the same area? Because that's sort of, they come in at the transactional uh, point of sale, I guess, but they're more digital. Yes, we are. Currently, they're more digital. So that's where we have a lead. So we are planning to, at some point, do this uh, uh, in the future because people spend, right? Now, if you can ease it out by buy now, pay later, sure. If there's an option for them to do it, they would do it. Uh, people would take the option. We are looking at a way to do it. Now, the, the the only issue that we run into is our transactions are frequent but are smaller per per spend. So it may range between 100, 200, 500 bucks. So now I'm not sure if users are okay to split that into four or three payments, but uh, the bigger transactions online, uh, yes, I think splitting into four is just a quick option for you to make a quick decision on the purchase. So we're trying to look at it. We we may look at it uh, with a blend of online and offline, but but yeah. Okay, interesting. But what's your view of these buy now, pay later? Because there's no interest. So how are they making money? Um, there's no interest. So the, what I understand how they make money is they help users make a quick decision to make a purchase, right? So uh, uh, let's say, for example, I'm using uh, a, a platform. Uh, let's say Tabby is the most famous uh, platform in this region, right? So if I'm buying something really expensive, now I may think twice if I have to just spend it at one go. But if, if someone's going to help me split it by four, I'm going to be pretty okay with it. Now, that calls for me to make a decision quicker as compared to you know paying it at one go. So I think they would be able to make money from the merchants to start with, as they are able to get users to make you know payments quicker as compared to taking time of uh, you know delaying the decision process itself. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's obviously a fast growing space. Um, and yep. there's a lot of other t- fintech, fintech elements in the region. One of the sort of famous global merchants fintech uh, technology is was Square and is Block now with Jack Dorsey. Is that a type of a model? Like obviously, that works quite well in the US. And I think they bought a buy now, pay later company in Australia. But we don't see block in the Middle East. And are there any other? Why is that, I guess, first? Um, the Middle East wasn't in the map. For, so these guys, I think how they look at it is in the US, the, the feel or the consumer behavior is completely different. At least that's what we have also realized, right? The consumer, the consumer behavior or the mentality of the consumers are different in the US compared to maybe Middle East compared to maybe Asia. Each region has its own way of thinking and doing business, including the merchants, not just the consumers, right? So uh, my feel on it is eventually some, uh, something like Square 
is going to come here or it should have already, I think Mushrek Neo has already started something with uh, a POS uh, kind of a structure which they're giving out to merchants now. So that was their recent launch, I believe. So Mushrek. it's going to come. Yeah, so it, it, it's it's going to come. It's it's not too far away. Um, and I think they've they've integrated themselves with Amazon, uh, Amazon Payments. So it's not too far away. I mean, uh, your question is completely valid, but I think it's it's not too far away. Okay, and is that an area of interest for you because you kind of you know they need the merchants to have a relationship with them and you do as well so in that sense are they a competitor um they're not exactly a competitor so how what we tell the merchants is we do not try to integrate into your pos we do not try to integrate we don't harass the merchant to integrate we don't want to get inside your systems we're a system that is not integratable right so it's it's a separate parallel system. It's it's just a cashback platform. So it's like a, a a payment collection machine, right? So you can integrate it, but sometimes they just don't integrate it. So we, we're that kind of a platform. So we don't look at this as as a as a competition as of yet. But if we do enter into the POS space in the future, maybe yeah, uh, that that would be a competition. Yeah, I guess the other side of your business really is the cashback, the rewards, and the loyalty. Do you have interest from people who are trying to build loyalty programs uh, with their customers? Is that where people would kind of find your, if they're looking for that type of solution, they discover you online? Um, not really. So usually when, when you say the word loyalty, people relate it directly with points. Uh, that's like a, a default thing that happens uh, uh, with most of the businesses. So we we do not try to, talk to them about loyalty, but we try to talk to them about consumer retention. Now, loyalty as a word has uh, disappeared over the last few uh, few years, but consumer retention is the new word, is the new, is the new way of uh, uh, getting business attention, right? Because if you talk points, it, it takes a while for the consumers to accumulate and come back to the business. But if you talk immediate re- retention with immediate gratification of cashback, I think that gets the attention a bit, a bit more faster than loyalty as such. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, customer retention, it kind of comes up a lot in online with subscription and churn and keeping people sticky. But then obviously in the real world as well, where, um, you know, people have many options now and, that, you know, people, stores and merchants want any way to get people to kind of remember them and come back. So, but, but I guess the, there are also apps and solutions, not necessarily fintech ones, but you know, credit cards, for example, have a lot of cashback, but they also have uh, HSBC credit card, for example, has a partnership with Entertainer, which encourages different types of consumption and has a lot of discounts. Uh, is that is that you know, is that the type of product that you're looking to build as well? Like, to, you know, to get people to go ah. I'm going to check this app. If it's got a load of things that I buy regularly, then I'm going to use it. Yeah, I mean, naturally, we would do that, right? Uh, now, when it comes to, so we're just trying to fight discount as such as a model. Uh, uh, we're not per se fight, but we're trying to change the shift of mentality from discount to cashback. That's that's exactly what we're trying to do. Because when you do a discount, like if you have a card and let's say entertainer, you go, you swipe, you get a 25% flat discount. There are no, it's a very slim chance that you'll get the user back again. Uh, now that's exactly what we're trying to fight. Eventually, we, uh, like I said, we're trying to 
merge and blend into a lot of products, right? Because if there is a car that can work with our cashback model uh, in the future, yes, uh, that would be something that we definitely jump into because it's just much easier. You don't have to really depend on an application. You don't have to depend on figuring out how this works or whatnot. You just have to swipe your card and keep moving on. So that's something we will keep looking. We will keep looking for partners uh, in, in in a lot of fintech areas, which will make the consumer journey a bit more easier than it is today. Okay, so can you explain that? So you integrate with the cards in a swipe way, or yeah. So like like you mentioned, right? HSBC and Entertainer. So you just swipe your HSBC card, or yeah, you get your discounts. Uh, ENBD has discounts. Rack has discounts uh, for a lot of restaurants. Okay. In that matter, so we're trying to figure yeah. out. Yes, we're trying to figure out if we could do something with a bank or a card that swipes and you get a cashback, which you could utilize again. So it's something that yeah. definitely we'll be looking into. Makes sense because you've already got the partnerships on one level, uh, right. and yeah, it's just more seamless, isn't it, when you work with people and the behavior and so what's your sort of view on you know when you started you know apple pay wasn't quite big and now people are able to use uh people don't even need cards anymore they just tap their phone uh is that something that's exciting and you think is going to continue to grow yeah it is continuing to grow um recently i think uh, 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 share math maps product share have started something that can integrate with Apple Pay directly. So you don't need to have an app. You just keep tapping your phone with Apple Pay and keep continuing your journey. So that that shows the the, the creativity that people of this region are coming out with. So that's something yeah. we were looking at uh, and, and they've already come up with it. So, I mean, uh, definitely. So Apple Pay is going to be big. I think Google has recently launched a service or they're planning to launch a service that is going to be quite similar to Apple Pay uh, in the coming days. So that's something that will pick up in a few years too. Okay, before we talk about the future, I think the second thing I have in mind will go there anyway. But firstly, like, you know, you, you talked a lot about the pandemic. We're relatively two years on now, two and a half years. And the conversation has shifted macroeconomic-wise away from the pandemic into inflation uh, and a lot of other things like war in Europe, uh, potential recession, things like that. So how, how do you... You know, and, and on top of that, a lot of the values of uh, tech companies and uh, startups have plummeted in the last 12 months. And there's a lot of pressure on these companies now to show profits rather than just high valuations. You know, for someone who's kind of not sort of gone all, all in on high valuations and, and venture capital, uh, are you glad that you've kind of back on the sidelines on that and that you didn't raise a ton of cash and there'd be a huge amount of pressure to deliver profits now or or do you think that you know uh not much has changed that this is just a market recorrection um it's uh, yesterday ycom ycom actually shot out a nice little article about be prepared the worst is coming yeah. right so that that shows that even the startup industry is going to get affected by the coming so-called uh, uh, crisis or uh, so I'm, I, there are two ways of looking at it. If I'd had capital raised, I could be safe. That's another way of looking at it. But my mentality was let us show the investors that the product is mature, the product is scalable, the product is running, uh, the product works. It's, it has a fit to market. Uh, it has a scalability. 
and then let us go after funding. So I, I think I'm quite glad today that uh, we chose that path because I still have a few months where I can actually show that regardless of the war, pandemic, uh, uh, any other problem that's influencing economies, we're still trying to grow. We're still able to grow year on year, month on month. And, and that's something I want to show investors to be able to get a good valuation and funding. So I think that for us, that was the preferred model as compared to boosting up valuations, getting quick money. Because uh, when you when you do that, you like no one's prepared for these kind of things. No one's prepared for pandemic. No one's prepared for the war. Uh, no one's prepared for inflation. Now, when you've already set valuations at a certain level, uh, things change with wars and economic activities. Now, no one's prepared for this. But I think today we are prepared. Uh, this is, this, in this situation, we are prepared. We know what we can do. We know what we can adjust. We can move. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad, frankly, that we didn't go as fast in the last one and a half years. But now I think it's a good time for us to go. So we're preparing for that. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, let's jump into crypto then. So, you know, rewards and tokens and sort of utility is often something that's, you know, talk, spoken about when, when NFTs come up. And, uh, you know, having that sort of extra value, um, is that something that you've looked at so far? Crypto, yes, we are looking at it. We are planning, uh, we are trying to see what we can do with cryptos for sure. Uh, uh, blockchain is something that has taken over the world, right? I mean, uh, today, if you compare 10 years ago and today, everyone knows blockchain, everyone knows crypto, everyone knows NFT. Now, the reason why it's picked up is because it is secure. Uh, it is quite secure. Now, we are planning to integrate or planning to blend or planning to definitely do something with the crypto element in the coming days uh, uh, or months. Uh, I think we see a big potential there uh, as a lot of activities in the region also has supported this uh, crypto industry. So we will definitely be looking at that. So in what lines are you looking? Are you going to develop your own token? Are you going to make snap uh possible to use cryptocurrencies and payments we are currently looking at to see if we could make payments via crypto number one number two uh, creating our own token we haven't really thought of that at the moment but uh yeah i mean in the coming days why not right i mean it all depends how the market shifts what's acceptable here releasing a token releasing an nft is okay but it needs to have a meaning it needs to have real sense of usage, which is what would actually gain traction into the market. So we really look at it, provided there is a real traction or a sense of doing it. But you think it's a natural progression and you you almost think it's inevitable that payments uh, and, you know, that we're going to move more towards into crypto uh, payments. I think we'll have a hybrid, hybrid model uh, Worldwide, I mean, look, Visa is already integrated with a lot of crypto companies. They have a card where you can spend, uh, which would convert your crypto balances into payments. So I think that's already started. It's it's quite inevitable. Uh, 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 the government here is also supporting it. So I, I mean, every government eventually will support it, of course, uh, by regulating it in a very uh, 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 optimal manner. That's that's the most important thing. So uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's quite inevitable. Okay. And, you know, can you comment a little bit on the sort of what happened with DeFi, with Luna and Terra last week? Uh, you know, do you think that these type of currencies now there's going to be question marks on about how they're pegged and, 
you know, the, the reliability of those type of currencies? Yeah. Reliability is a big question in the crypto market as of date, right? So, which is why my, my last word was, it needs to be, there needs to be some sort of hybrid regulations where the risk is managed. Otherwise, you know, people are going to lose trust eventually. Like if, if this happens again, if there's another Luna incident that's happening, uh, people are going to lose trust. Uh, people are going to lose value, lose face into into these things. Now, it's a big industry. It's a growing industry. And I think it, it at some level needs to be blended with at least a my regulation that keeps the consumer's uh, uh, interest, uh, you know, into play. Uh, otherwise, I don't see it growing just being unregulated. Yeah, definitely. But as you said, we're in that region for us. Um, and what is your view in the region? You know, for someone who's was a businessman in India, you're in Dubai now. You, you mentioned before that you were able to accelerate the growth of your business quite quickly here. Uh, you know, is the UAE a economy that's super interesting to you uh, for the foreseeable future? Or do you look at other markets in the region or, or in Asia or elsewhere? Oh, we've stopped looking at markets, uh, Richard. To be frank, uh, this this region has over the, over the last three to four years, I've seen it really. Uh, I've seen the government create initiatives that would really help businesses. Now, if you help businesses, you automatically bring employment. If you bring employment, the economy boosts. So, I think they've taken the right path to create and help businesses do this right. Because if you make it difficult for a business to survive. Uh, by regulations, by paperwork, by this, by digitalizing the entire government. I mean, where have you heard that, right? Um, I haven't stepped into a government office to do anything yet. All the licenses, everything, visa included, taken care of online. So that itself saves a lot of time, especially for startups where, you know, the owner or the manager himself has to do everything, including running the business. It, it really gives you a, a, you know, a helping hand. Uh, and in the coming days, I think it's great. I mean, you already see a lot of people coming into the country. You already see that the government is opening up, uh, inviting a lot of people. Uh, now the golden visa rules have been liberalized a bit. So a lot more professionals, a lot more talented people get golden visa will be coming into the country. I, I, I know people from the U.S. who have actually left the U.S. to come here because they see this yeah. as a viable place to grow now. That's that's something that you don't see every day, but but I think this country has made it happen, and I think it it has a bright future in the coming days. It's, it's really great. Amazing. So with Snap and fintech and uh, the space that you're in as a startup and the UAE, you're really happy with those two areas as areas of growth for the future. Yes, definitely. Very happy with it. But if if we spoke in a year or two, you know, would you would Snap be entering Saudi or would it be entering India? If you have to pick one, uh, yeah, we would be looking at entering Saudi to start with. Um, yeah, India is it's again, you know, it's it's different. It it's not the same as as UAE. It's not the same as Saudi. The feel, the mentality is completely different. Now the problems are different there too. Uh, here, seventy percent, eighty percent are or, you know, cashless transaction today. Uh, India's still working on getting that done. So, I mean, you could use Stripe here as a payment gateway there. There's something else. There's something called the UPI there in India, which we have to integrate with. Apple is finding it difficult to enter that space. Now, I, I wouldn't say I would not look at it, but I think I would look at Saudi first, uh, the MENA region first, and then probably when the growth happens, we'll definitely look at India at some point. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's a high number that we're cashless. Like there was a, there's been a big shift away from cash, really, is hasn't there, in the UAE? Yes. So I guess you're right about that. Yeah, amazing. All right, Uday, thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's great to know a little bit more about Snap and the type of company that you're building in Dubai and within Dubai Silicon Oasis. So please keep us posted. It'd be great to follow. And I'm going to download the app and try it out this weekend. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. And just so, so people to find you online, what's your URL or the, the name that they search for? You just have to search Snap or Snap Cash. I think you'll pretty much uh, get a hit right there. Okay. Said and AP and on social media as well. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks so much. Great to chat. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay, that was really interesting. I always get super curious on fintech. Like personally, my view is that uh, I'm not in that space. I'm more in the media space. And if I look at it from the outside, I'm kind of like, well, you know, it just takes someone like Kareem to uh, launch Kareem Pay. Then everyone else has been trying to do a payment app, uh, like Venmo in the US or whatever. If people are trying to do the Middle East version of that, then that's automatically kind of challenged. Or if you're trying to do a point of sale payments and then Apple have Apple Pay, then you're kind of challenged there as well. Um, so I always think it's kind of the big boys all have to do is add a feature and then your whole company is just a feature for a big company and yet yeah, they've got the credit cards and they've got the huge users. So uh, credit to all the brave people who enter into the fintech space. Uh, you're braver than me <laughs> and uh, yeah, wishing them luck as well. Uh, so. Big shout out and thank you to our producers this week. It's Vishnu and Richie. They've been pulling everything together in the background and making the audio video. Uh, we broadcast live on Smashy.tv, uh, smart TV apps, uh, Android and iOS mobile apps at 11 a.m. every Friday. They then turn that into a 45 minute audio podcast that goes on Dubai Works on about five or six different audio platforms. And that goes out on Friday afternoon. Uh, Shahir Alkindi, our other producer, brings together the guests and the distribution and then one of our writers, usually Shireen or Farah, they put together an article on the podcast on Love in Dubai on Saturday and we do a lot of slicing up different videos on our various Smashy Instagram accounts. I think we've got 12, so depending on the vertical, whether it's Smashy Business, Smashy Crypto, Smashy Health, Smashy Style, this video, uh, these contents will go out on those as well. Please do follow and yeah, subscribe and we'll be back again next week at 11 o'clock on Friday.